Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, hi, hi. I'm, of course, your host, Mark Kushnez, and with me today is no one, like always, but uh, we are doing nothing special. Uh, we've got a new schedule. I talked about it last episode about thinking about uh, returning to a weekly release. And that might be Wednesdays or Thursdays. And you guessed it, it ain't Wednesday because it's Thursday today. The day I'm recording this has been a long week, but uh, we're here. We're ready to, to do this. Don't have that much to talk about, but that is all right. Because what we have to talk about is good. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like, oh, it's already Thursday. I better record this podcast. But not too much to report in regards to anything. I've played some games, but only one which I'll be talking about in a little bit called Never Awake on Steam. That's right. I was playing a PC game. I was playing a game on a PC. <gasps> but uh, before all that, I am, of course, continuing my Star Trek The Next Generation journey. I am in season four, roughly halfway through, and it's pretty good. The crazy thing about it is that even as good as it more consistently is, there are still some fucking awful episodes in season four and there were in season three. But the one that stands out the most, or there are two standout bad episodes. One is especially bad and one of the worst episodes of the series to date. And that involves Troy losing her abilities. So she is no longer an empath, telepathic and all that. She, she just like becomes a normal person and she can't handle this. And what it does is it shows how the writers and just her character in general, she is nothing if she doesn't have that. That is her defining characteristic. It is her only characteristic. And without it, she's a garbage character. And that's not to say you can't have an empath character who is valuable and adds something to a story, a crew, what have you. But Troy and the way she is handled, the way she's been in the series from the very beginning, she's just this lazy exposition type of character at times that doesn't really serve much of a purpose other than to explain things that could just be shown or revealed or expressed in other ways and i don't like her because of that and then in this episode where she loses her abilities she just becomes the worst person she can't handle anything she wants to quit her job because if she can't read people's minds she's unable to help people with anything because she is that worthless of a person. She has nothing without her ability to fucking cheat life. She can't fucking deal with people on an actual personal level without that information that maybe people don't want to reveal. I, I wouldn't want anything to do with someone like that. Uh, and, and I'm not saying someone who whose defining feature is that, but someone who can read minds like, I don't, I don't want get the fuck out of there. I, I would be very upset if someone went uh, crawling up in this freaking hellhole of a mind that 
it resides in my head, in my skull. But that episode could have done a lot to add to her character, to make her a more interesting character, a more rounding character, to flesh her out, to get, especially someone like me, who's been very, not standoffish, but I, I've not been her biggest fan. It could have ingratiated me towards her or something. It could, it could have made me more sympathetic towards her anything something other than hating her more than i already did i didn't hate her prior to that episode i just kind of thought she was worthless and didn't serve much of a purpose outside the ones i mentioned a little earlier and could be removed from the show and nothing would be lost and with that episode i don't hate her i don't think the episode did such damage that can't be repaired or whatever. It, it just was a bad episode. And it was her episode. It was her character-specific episode. And it was a bad episode. And that's that's too bad. Because she, amongst all the characters, probably needed an episode of her own more than anyone. And, and in contrast, contrast, in contrast, whenever they have episodes for Worf, however you say his name, the uh, Klingon. His his episodes that are focused on him and his culture and all that, they're great. Every time we get a Klingon episode, it does a great job of fleshing out his character, his culture, and helps us get to know him better and feel a deeper connection towards him more and more as we learn more and more about him and his culture his family when we met his actual not his actual parents but his adoptive human parents that was great when the Klingon he had a little fling on with uh, returns and you find out that she bared a child and that child is his that reveals more like they do such a great job with him but with Troy no, no. And I think, like I said, that shows how little thought was actually put into her character because she is just this cheap, hey, she can read minds when we need to just tell you this or that or don't want to think too hard about how to handle this. We'll just have her fucking read someone's mind and be like, yeah, this person is bad. They got bad thoughts, bad thoughts, bad person. Okay, go get them. Go get them. And then that's her whole thing. What the fuck? Shut up, Google. <laughs> the fuck? All right. Well, I, you know, I said at the top of the show, uh, with me as always, or something along those lines, you know, I, I have no co-host, but apparently I do, because fucking goddamn Google uh, wanted to chime in right there. But uh, <laughs> that kind of just uh, derailed the hell out of me right there. I don't know what I was talking about. It was something about Troy and star trek but i'm still really enjoying the show i've made a decision decision i made a decision to this this is a terrible decision but i made it when i finish the next generation i'm just gonna transition straight into whatever the hell the next series is such a i think it's deep space nine i think it goes deep space nine voyager enterprise and then of course the new stuff discovery picard 
strange whatever which is the one i'm actually very very excited to watch because i really like what little i've seen of commander pike captain pike i guess and i would like to see those stories and i've heard really good things about that one as well discovery seems like a mixed bag the same with picard and probably the other one too and i've just only heard the good but I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's just start playing. It's probably, I think it's still live. I'll start playing Star Trek The Online. I was going to say Star Trek The Online game. I think it's just called Star Trek Online, probably. I don't think there's the end game in it. But I'm, I'm really enjoying it. There's still stupid episodes. The other episode, too, that was not great was one that was a day in the life of Data. And you have him narrating his life as like a log for someone at the Federation. And in that episode, one, it's a nice idea conceptually, but in practice, at least the way it was executed, it got old real fast. The shtick was not a good shtick to carry an entire episode. But also in the episode, we have the warp dude who... I forget his name, but that actor, every time I see him in the show, I'm like, that guy was on Star Trek. He is the he's the guy, the actor who I'm always surprised whenever he's on screen that he's in Star Trek. Because I just I think of him more as like a heavy Irishman. And I don't mean heavy fat, I mean like in mo- uh, movies like Snaps, like a guy Richie movie. Or or something along those lines where he'd be more of like a gangster type. And seeing them this thing, I'm like, why are you here? Get out of here. Someone's playing a prank on me. You don't you don't belong here. You're not supposed to be here. But in this episode, where we're following Data and him trying to handle not his emotions, but get a better understanding of the human way of doing things, etc., and maybe become a little bit more human. He uh, not he, not data, but the the transporter dude is getting married to this Asian lady who has never been on the show up until that point, to my knowledge. And in the following episode, we see them after they've gotten married, and it seems like they've never interacted. He's like, what is this food you're serving me? I, what is this? This is this is part of your culture, your upbringing? You think maybe we would have talked about this or I would have eaten this prior to us getting married? Did we just get introduced to each other in the last episode? Like it seems because we've never seen this character before in our lives? Probably. <laughs> Fuck it, doesn't make any goddamn sense. But that episode was just... It was tiring. Very, very tiring. But overall, really, really enjoying it. I... Like Data still quite a bit. We didn't get... Ooh, he hasn't been on... Maybe he's actually at the the Federation or whatever doing his little school thing. Maybe Will Wheaton is actually gone for a, a significant part of the show now. That'd be great. Because they keep freaking... I. It's really annoying how often they would, with Wesley, be like, Alright, you're going to go off to the Academy. You made it. They want you. Go off and do it. Then some shit happens. And he's like, you know what? I just can't do it. You need me. You need me. I know you need me. So I'm going to stay here. And I'm like, fuck you. Just get the hell out of here. I don't need you. I don't want you. 
go. There's also a weird episode with Dr. Crusher, his mother, where the crew starts disappearing little by little until it's just her left on the, the, the ship on the Enterprise. And it was kind of an interesting episode. It felt very Twilight Zone-y. But to that point, I was very confused the whole time. And I didn't see what the point of that episode was. It seemed very... If it was an anime, if the next generation was an anime, that would be more of an OVA than a than a proper episode. But I think I've I think I've talked enough about the next generation. You're you're going to be hearing about this for at least a few more weeks, so get used to it. And when we're done with the next generation, of course, there's going to be Deep Space Nine time, baby. But in addition, or other than. The next generation all i've really been watching is a bit of teenage mutant ninja turtles the 2003 animated series which is very very good and i finished insecure which is also very 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 good but i'm taking a break from insecure because the way the first season ended which was in no way a surprise it was just a lot and i'm not ready to deal with what's gonna come next because they could go in a multitude of directions. The direction I'd like the series to go in after the events of the first season, and especially that last episode, and especially those last few minutes, I wanted to go in a direction I would be very, very surprised if the show did, because it would just mean essentially getting rid of this character and not exploring this relationship or any attempts at fixing it. I don't want to spoil it, but at the same time, it's the first season of a show that's been off for I don't know how many years at this point, maybe a year or two, but also had five seasons. So this is like five plus years in the past, what I'm talking about specifically. But I just want, I want this relationship to be over and I want it to just be done, done. Because that's the way it goes sometimes. I don't want to see any more attempts to fix it. You fucked up. Sucks. You're going to feel shitty about it. You can linger on that. Those feelings. But please, I don't want to... I just don't want to see a season full of pining and trying to get this person back. Because that's just going to be exhausting for me. I've dealt with that on the receiving end where... Things happen and then it's, it's like, okay, they want to get back together. And me, I say, just be my friend right now. I need to think about this and they can't do that. And it's frustrating. And I, I don't want to deal with that ever again, even in TV show form. But it, it's very, very good. It's handled so well. It's very relatable. I think it does a really good job of showing those insecurities as the, the the show is called and I can't recommend it highly enough it's very 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 good and it's its own thing I compared it to a handful of shows and I stand by those but it's also it's its own thing so insecure good 
good show, at least the first season. No, I can't speak to the rest of the show just yet. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. In terms of what I've been watching, I did check out the Last of Us HBO series trailer, the teaser trailer that came out, and I guess I remembered it wrong. But I thought the series was going to be somewhat of its own thing and not just a a time shot for shot remake of the first game. And it's a shot for shot remake at times of just the first game. And while it looks incredibly well done, I think if you are a huge Last of Us fan or you've never played the games, you're probably in for a hell of a good time. But if you're like me, one, I've played the game twice so far, and I'll play part one, the the remake, not the remaster, at some point, of course, not now, whenever it goes on sale or joins PlayStation Plus, etc. I'm just in no rush to replay it for a third time. But if you're like me, you don't, really have much interest in seeing that story yet again and especially in a way where you are less involved in it a lot of what i loved about the last of us was just my being a part of it even though it doesn't play that well i i'll be curious to see if that's different at all in the remake whenever i get to that because I, I don't know how much it takes from Last of Us Part 2, gameplay-wise, if anything at all. But I've always heard they got it. They got it right there. So that's curious. And, and regardless of that, accessibility options and stuff like that will help a lot in terms of that. Which I think were in the remaster, but maybe not to the extent they are now in all Naughty Dog games. But... I don't need to experience this story again. And I especially don't need to experience it in such an exact way. And it was funny. I was thinking about it. And you're not going to get my genuine reaction from when I initially thought of it. But this is the third remake of The Last of Us. If you count the remaster as a remake. Which for the case of this, for the purposes of this joke... It's a fucking remake, even though it's really just a remaster. It's just a cleaning up. But we had The Last of Us on PlayStation 3. Then the remaster, which I'm calling a remake, on uh, PlayStation 4. Then we got the remake, the real remake, on PlayStation 5, which... Did that? That's not on PlayStation. I don't think that's on PlayStation 4 as well. It could be. Don't know why it wouldn't from a technical standpoint, exactly. Because it's basically The Last of Us Part 2. But part one and now we're getting it in uh hbo series form that's kind of funny it's just like how many times are we going to get this story there's probably a a novelization of the story out there too i haven't looked into that there's probably a comic it's just like if you really love the last of us part one you can consume it in any way you want which is kind of cool but at the same time it's like fucking okay I don't need to experience the exact same story over and over and over again. But I get it. The series is more so for one, your diehards, of course, but it's meant to try, and I'm assuming this, 
and I would assume this, that it would make sense if this was the case, that the series is trying to reach an audience that wouldn't just go out and play the game. But after seeing the series, they might wonder to themselves, oh, what, what is this from? Is this, is this a series that's based on some books or some other thing? Can I get more of The Last of Us? Oh, it's based on this game series. All right, let me let me check this out. And at that time when the series is out, you'd like to think PlayStation 5s would be readily available. But also, Last of Us Part 2, that's not on PC yet, correct? That, I mean, that would, that would maybe not be a great time to release both on PC when the series comes out. Because if you want people, you'd probably want people to actually go out and buy a PlayStation 5. Unless, of course, they're still not easily available but they can just get a playstation 4 so they can just do that but i'm significantly less excited about this show after seeing that when i saw so many shots in the trailer that were just ripped straight from the game it made me think the entirety of the experience of watching it for me would be Oh, I remember doing that in the game. I remember that too. Oh, that? Yeah, I did that. And I don't I don't have any desire to do that. I'll probably still check it out because why not? Uh, you know. Why not? It'll be well done. I like Pascal. The little girl. She was good in what I remember her uh, in Game of Thrones. I also think Nick Offerman was in it. And I didn't know he was in it. I think that was him in that one shot. I'm like, oh. Oh, you've got my attention. But it'll be well done. It'll surely be well done. If, if nothing else, the Chernobyl creator or creators, I don't know who, how many people made that show. But even though I didn't like that show, it had, it had a vibe, it had a tone, it had a visual distinction. And that's something that all will translate well to the world of The Last of Us. But that is it in terms of what I've been watching. It's a pretty uh, lengthy intro bit before all the gaming because there's only one game I have to talk about, and that is Never Awake, which is a shmup available on PC. I don't think it's on any console just yet, but I'd be, I'd be surprised if it never made its way to at least Switch or something. But it is... A shmup where you're playing a young girl, I believe her name is Rem, and you are injured at death's door in a coma or whatever. You see your body there, and you've got, it, it almost looks like you're made of glass, and there's a hole in the center of your chest. And surrounding each of your limbs at the wrists and ankles are a bunch of heart-looking things that equate to levels in four different worlds. And these worlds will revolve around vegetables or dogs. And what you are doing is taking on these levels, defeating enemies to collect souls in order to try and wake yourself up, presumably. I've, I've played through the first two worlds, and I really like it. It is pretty easy to start with, but the challenge starts to increase with the second world, with the dog park. The first world is the vegetable world. And I like 
how simple it is. And so first off, visually, it looks great. Your particular character model and the base regular enemies that come at you in waves of dozens and whatnot that are just fodder for you to take out and get some easy souls, etc. You're all more of a low polygonal look. And it's a very muted color palette. There's not a lot of vibrancy to it, but it looks really nice. But the background art and the bigger enemies, the bosses, all look incredible. I, I'm presuming they're all hand-drawn art because it looks hand-drawn. Very sketchy aesthetic. It reminds me of the style of point-and-click adventure games from the Machina developer who did Machina and Creeks or I forget the name. Why do I forget the name of the studio? But the the animation studio that did stuff like Box Trolls, Nightmare Before Christmas, Kubo, etc. It's got that kind of vibe to it and it's a bit gross, but it looks great. It's got a very, very great look to it. And I, I just love looking at it. It has a distinct style that differs from a lot of shmups and, and you're much closer in so it's not it's not far back you're not flying a ship you are this girl and you want to stay position in the center of the screen most of the time because enemies can come at you from any direction so they're not just going to come from left or right and the screen can scroll in any direction horizontally vertically doesn't matter and the way the game works is that to complete a level instead of it just being Here's the start and here's the finish. You will go through loops of the level over and over and over again. And you clear a level by collecting enough souls to reach 100% on your soul collection meter or whatever. And with every loop, the enemies will get more and more difficult. So you're incentivized to clear a level as fast as possible with as few loops as possible. And it should be relatively easy to clear any level within two loops i probably average around 1.4 in terms of my loopage and it's the same with boss fights some bosses depending on the way they're situated you you will just be getting the the souls from doing damage to certain parts of them and whatnot but a lot of them are more you're doing damage to a boss and then eventually they'll drop a third of the souls you need to complete a level and essentially making it so that you're not doing three loops but three waves you're doing three different variations of the boss and of course they'll get more challenging with each additional wave level loop whatever and i like this it's a it's a different type of system a way of handling level and level progression but it makes the game feel a bit different it makes it feel like its own thing and that's always a good thing and mechanically it's very tight very responsive you have a dash ability with a very minimal cooldown that you can use as much as you want you have a special attack which you can change as you upgrade and earn more like a rapid fire gun, a spread shot that spreads all 
out of every direction of your body, which is more like a defensive thing, a shotgun blast, and you, because I've been playing this with controller, which I, I mean, it's a twin six shooter, essentially. I should have said that right up the front, but it's essentially a twin six shooter. You move with the left analog stick, shoot and aim with the right analog stick. So why would you play with a mouse and keyboard? You'd be crazy. But you use the, the right trigger to initiate your special attack and the left trigger to dodge. And one of the things I really like, though, is that they have what I guess you'd call an accessibility option that will aim and fire for you. And what I like about this is that you can turn this on, but when you have it on, if you decide that you want to start aiming yourself, you can take over control at any point. And if you decide that you don't want to control it anymore, you, you release the analog stick, and after a second or two, they'll start auto-firing and aiming again. And this could be good if you don't want to deal with aiming or using your analog stick to fight the really, really weak enemies. You just want to let the game do it, and then when bigger enemies come in, and you have to have more control and be more aware and attentive and dodge more, etc. Then you can take over direct control. And I like that. It's, it's also just a way of making the game a bit more accessible. Because you can set it up that way. So instead of having to focus on both aiming and dodging, you can just focus on dodging and let the game do the aiming and the shooting for you. And, you know, you don't, like, I just like games that give you more ways of playing that have accessibility options in various ways and just open themselves up to more players because that's always a good thing. As long as you make this thing optional, that thing optional, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's just like the, the rewind system in racing games. You don't have to engage with that if you don't want. But it being there doesn't hurt you. So shut up if you don't like those things. But I, I think it's a, a really fun game. Looks great. Runs well. Would be a great stream deck game. Not stream deck because that's a little Elgato thing. The Steam Deck, of course. That's what I mean. It'd be great for that little old device and if it comes to switch it would be great on switch as well i mean it'd be great on any platform that has dual analog sticks so put it on everything but i have really enjoyed what i played and i think the thing that i'd say is the best selling point or what's really important in a game like this is when you die it doesn't feel cheap you don't feel like the game cheated you out of anything. And when you die, at least in my case, my immediate thought was, man, I, I know I can do it this next time. And I wanted to jump right back in and play some more. And that's what you want out of games like this. You want to overcome your obstacles. Anything that is being difficult for you or challenging at any given time. If a shmup can make you want to keep going and doesn't break you down and make you want to quit, it's a success. And Neverwake does that wonderfully. I had my first true challenging 
moment with one of the bosses in the dog park. And when I kept dying, I was like, no, I'm like, I know I can do this. I know I can do this because I was making some dumb mistakes. This is the one thing you have to worry about when you're doing the dodging is you can dodge into another enemy. So you can dodge to avoid one enemy and dodge into like You got to make sure you're dodging in the, in the right direction or you could do stupid shit like I was doing. And I stuck with it until I beat that boss. And it was super satisfying because I stuck with it and was able to accomplish my goal of beating this boss. So yeah, Never Wake is pretty, pretty good. I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. And the, and the boss designs are pretty fun as well, especially in the vegetable area. They have uh, bosses that are made of various pieces of vegetable and utensils, and they're just wild and freaky. And I, I, I would love to have an art book for this game. It's got a very lovely, gross aesthetic. And I like that in the dog park area, the even have some cute things like cute dogs and they have ugly wiener dogs but the cute little Pomeranians or whatever the hell they're called you shoot them in the face once they'll start to get fucking pissed off at you and then they turn into the ugly beasts we all know they are deep down inside those pieces of crap and then you get to kill them you can't kill them in their cute form but when they get all gross and nasty you can kill them so if you've always wanted to kill dogs <laughs> never wakes the game for you baby or you know Ghost of Tsushima. You can kill some dogs in that as well. Those dogs are assholes. I hate them. But uh, that is it in terms of what I've been playing. Other than like Apex and stuff. Which I'm not going to talk about. Uh, so let's get on to Patreon questions. And call it a podcast. You can call it a day if you want to. I don't care. Maybe you're watching this at night. You can call it a night. You can call it an evening. You can call it a week. I don't care what you call it. Other than the Pixelated Sausage Show. Because that's what's actually called. What am I on about? Okay, let's 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 see these questions. Ooh, da, da, do, da, 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 da. I don't know where the questions began and then one week is cool. I vote. All right, there we go. We'll promptly. Okay, there we go. There we go. I think I'm a bit of Okay, this is the first question. I think this is a question. We'll see. There might be multiple questions from the same people or from one person because of the the extended time between episodes. But from Jedi, I think. Mention recommending games. I mentioned probably. I think I mentioned probably. I'm, I'm adding words. I think I mentioned recommending games for your dad to play. Me, I. Yeah. Does he ever come to you and ask about games? What would you do if he came to you and was like, have you heard of this game, Hyperdimension Neptunia? One, he never really asked me about games specifically outside of those moments where maybe he sees a trailer. I think there was one game where he saw a trailer for it somewhere. And I was like, whoa, how do you how do you hear about this? And it's just, you know, it reached him. I, I it had to have been a pretty freaking big ass game. Or it may have just been one of the more recent Call of Duties where it's just like, oh, I saw a trailer for Call of Duty. Is there a new Call of Duty coming out? I, why don't I have it? Why is it in my hand so I can play it already? You know how much I love the Call of Duties? Because my dad's completed almost every Call of Duty. More than I have. But if he came to me asking me about Hyper Dimension, Neptunia, whatever, I would... Honestly, I'd be fucking impressed. I, I would... I'd be confused, of course. 
I'd wonder how, of all the games in the world, he came across that one and why that's the one he's coming at me with. I mean, one, I would actually, I would be like, oh my God, you, you, you realize and you remembered that I really like anime and you saw this game and you're like, this looks like anime as fuck. I'll, I'll ask Mark about it. And I would feel so honored. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, like, people joke about those games and they seem very fan service heavy and whatnot. I've never played them, so I don't really have much to say about them either way. I would actually like to play one of them at some point. I think I own a few of them, actually. Not just one. So, someday. They're just like long-ass RPGs, though. Which is more of why I'm hesitant to really start any of them. It's not because of the content. It's just because I don't think they're short experiences. But I, I don't want to make any judgments about those games until I play them myself. Because that's how I like to roll. I don't like shitting on something until I've experienced it and realized that I think it's shitty. Then I'll shit all over it. Fortnite? think it's a dog shit game but you know what also regarding Fortnite, i played it for like dozens and dozens of hours so i feel that i can say it's a shitty game just like with super mario world or super smash brothers or super mario a lot of things i mean i love some super mario but uh i don't like some of them and you might be saying why did i play dozens and dozens of hours of Fortnite? i played Mostly, and I enjoyed Save the World mode, the cooperative thing. I really like that. I'd play more of that today if anyone wanted to. But the Battle Royale, which I played probably maybe like 10 hours. Maybe a little less. Not a fan. That was all pre-non-building mode. But at the same time, without building, it's just another Battle Royale game. And why would I play it over? Apex, Warzone, Realm Royale, PUBG, etc., I wouldn't. That's the answer. But then, uh, for Enchi, he asks, what's your favorite commentary track? So, this, this is a hard one to answer because it's always changing. It's a very recency bias type of thing for me. I have some tracks that I do gravitate towards that I've listened to plenty of times. But I wanted to use this as a way of recommending some commentary tracks that I think you in particular, Anchi, would really, really enjoy. And they're also just, they're, they're very good. So I would recommend getting them in your ear holes. But the first two are for some of your favorite movies, your favorite comedies, mine too, and wouldn't you know it, the commentary tracks for both of them featuring the people you'd want to hear talking about the stuff involved are both fantastic and add a lot to the experience are kind of like watching them with brand new eyes because they're they're not they're more fun commentary tracks than super informative and those would be the commentary tracks for both pop star never stop never stop whatever the hell the fucking uh, subtitle for that is and walk hard both of those have super fun not 
they're not better than the the actual audio but they're they're really great and if you love those movies you're gonna love the hell out of those commentary tracks and you love those movies so i think I, I can't remember if we've talked about how I, I don't know what your stance on commentary tracks in general is, but even if you're someone who isn't a huge commentary person, those are just fun ass tracks. And then the one I think is going to come as a surprise and you're gonna be like, why? What, what is this thing? But uh, it's Red Army, which is a documentary about the Russian hockey team. And why I'm recommending you this, I, I I don't think it's a an Earl Morris. I'm trying to remember who the actual documentary documentarian is for that, but the commentary is by the writer director of that particular documentary, and he's accompanied by one Werner Herzog. All right, all right. He's there. What else do I need to say? I don't know how many. It's just. There, I literally have to say nothing else. Just, just listen to that. Get it. Get in your air holes. Because you know what? I don't care what he's talking about. I just like hearing Herzog talk. Because he's got a great voice and cadence and just way of speaking that is just chef's fucking kiss. So those are uh, some commentary tracks for you. I've recently been enjoying the Roger Moore commentary tracks, the Sir Roger Moore commentary tracks for his Bond movies because he's just very fucking posh. And hearing him talk about his time with the movies is mildly amusing. There are some decent bits of silence, but I'll also make voices like when the little the little guy in like uh, Man with the Golden Gun, he, whenever he's talking about him and the times he would speak to him he always does like <laughs> these weird voices it's just I just think it's amusing thinking of Roger Moore Sir Roger Moore uh, doing these solo commentary tracks and just sitting in like a studio watching the movie and be like <laughs> when he was here he did this little <laughs> oh did you know that uh, I never said shaking not stirred I only said uh, my name is Bond James Bond but I never once said shaking I'll take a martini shaking not stirred he fucking posh little punk. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've been enjoying those. I just, I love commentary tracks. They're my favorite bonus, my favorite special feature. And it's nice that a lot, a lot of places don't have them, I don't think. But uh, Disney Plus, at least, has the commentary tracks for their stuff when a thing has it. They're great. Ryan Johnson does some pretty good ones. The Ryan... Another one for you, Enchi, and anyone, because uh, it's just, you know, you get to hear him talk about the movie and, and the world of Star Wars, etc. But uh, Ryan Johnson's commentary track for episode eight, uh, The Last Jedi, very, very good. I mean, all, uh, all his commentary tracks are pretty damn good. But that one, with the reception of that movie and, and whatnot, you know, it's just interesting hearing him talk about it. Then, uh... From, that is not a question. <laughs> do we have any more? Do we have any more? Wait, did Sonny ask anything? No, okay. Oh, wait, no. I know I know. Lunchbox asked one at some point. I got eight episodes. That's a lot. What's the last thing you were really excited for 
I know I had something at some point and I don't remember what it was. What am I excited for? Oh my God, I don't know. Don't. There's no anime I'm super excited about. No movie I'm super excited about. No game I'm super excited about. I mean, I'm pretty excited about Play Tale. No, no. This is what it is. The last thing I was really, really excited for, and it comes out next month, October. And I'll be getting it in November for the Criterion sale. But I've been, you know, there are, are I'm a huge Blu-ray collector. And there's still a handful of movies that have not made the jump to Blu-ray. But one was announced however many months ago from Criterion, something that I knew was an inevitability that was going to happen eventually. It was just a matter of time, a matter of when. And the day I got that email and I went through the list of October releases and saw this movie, I just about fucking had a heart attack of love. And oh my God, I'm just... So this October... Coming to Blu-ray for the first time via Criterion is Arsenic and Old Lace, which is one of my all-time favorite comedies. I adore, adore, adore it. It's fantastic. I don't even want to say anything about it. I mean, it's, it's an old, it's an old movie, so its style may not be to everyone's taste, and it's very, very fast, like a lot of comedies of that era, and a lot of movies of that era. They're just a lot of fast talking, but it has a lot of fun with its story where a, a a man is returning to his, his aunts and there's murder happening and it is, I, I, I'm not going to be able to explain it any way that makes it sound good. Just fucking watch it, man. It's a classic and it's coming on Blu-ray. It's going to look amazing. I think it already got reviewed. I think they gave it, uh, Blu-ray.com gave it solid. Uh, scores not like the most beautiful thing and i'm also really i i've been wanting to fuck you know you know what else i'm really excited for i i finally i, I bought it and she yes i did purchase it the thing i showed you but uh and now i need to get a blu-ray the, the uhd player but uh i can't wait to watch the last black man in san francisco in 4k on my new TV, because that movie is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. And it's going to look incredible on this TV. So, can't wait to get that 4K in and, and all that. But, uh, yeah. I'm not too excited about anything. I don't know. There's, there's something I'm surely missing, and I think I thought of something outside of Arsenic and all this, but that's what I at least remembered, so that's what we're going with. And uh, with that... That'll do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Once again, I am Mark Christianez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you are an audio-only listener of the show, you can uh, watch it on the YouTubes. I stream on YouTube and I'm doing the, the multi-streaming via Twitch as well. Because why not? I can do that. So I'm just doing that. But uh, if you'd like to find all my links of import, you can do that over at uh, pixelatedsausage.com slash PX S. And of course, if you enjoy any of this nonsense and would like to support me and all of it, you can do that over at patreon.com slash PXS. What does your support get you? Well, if you support at the $3 or higher level, you'll get 
access to an exclusive private Discord channel. You'll get yourself a fancy schmancy Discord title or whatever the hell they're called. You be able to ask me questions for this here podcast and you will get approved user status on the YouTube. So if you do engage with the YouTube and want to leave comments, you can just leave whatever the fuck you want. You can tell me how much you hate me and leave links to sites you've built that are all about how much I suck. I can't do anything about it because you're paying me, baby. So you got to pay to hate. You got to pay to hate. So if you enjoy my stuff or hate it enough, join the Patreon. That is again, patreon.com slash PXS. But that will do it for this year episode. So once again, I eh, not once again, but uh, of course, as always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. So for now, for this week, because this is a weekly show again, but just for now, I don't, I didn't need to add that for a week. God, I, everything was so good. That intro was, intro, that, that outro going so nice and smooth right there at the end and then i just had to fuck it up but uh for now adios arrivederci bye Go time.